DJ PK, Kyle Whittingham, meeting with the media. Let's listen in live on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. That's where we're at. Questions? Okay, thank you. We'll start off from Hans Olsen, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Hey, coaches, you mentioned over 120 players for this spring ball. Has it been as hectic to manage those numbers as you thought or more simple? You still have to be within your 20 hours, which we, which we are. But, but uh, more more reps on the field for uh, you know for the excess of guys, and and uh, it seems to have worked out very well. Now, the uh, you know there's a lot of the vets that uh, are you know have played a lot of good football for us have not gotten as many reps as, as the younger guys, but that's by design, and that's pretty much the case every spring. You you got a handful of guys that have that have uh, played a lot of football for you that just don't need the, the, the amount of reps that uh, some of the Enver guys do. So it's been about the same dose. We just have more reps to, to go around because of the, the more uh, bigger volume of numbers. We'll go next to Trevor Allen, kslsports.com, followed by Austin Facer of ABC4. Kyle, how, how's that move been with uh, Kane Savage and Ben Renfro moving over to wide receiver during spring ball? Is that looking like something that is going to stick, or you still want to see how how that goes for the next couple of weeks? The latter. We'll, we'll continue that uh, throughout the remainder of spring ball, then make a decision. Uh, Ben's been unable to practice for a couple of weeks now with a minor injury, and so his his progress has been slowed. But but Kane has been out there every day, and and uh, actually had a visit with Kane. Uh, right in the middle of spring ball, about the two and a half week mark and, and checked in and saw, you know, see how things were going with him. And he was eager to, to continue down the path and, and stay at wide receiver, at least through spring. So, so those two guys will be uh, finishing up spring ball at wide receiver. And again, Ben should be back this week. Uh, like I said, he's missed f- uh, three or four or five practices, uh, but he should be back this week. Next up, Austin Facer, followed by Cole Bagley, Daily Utah Chronicle. Hey, Kyle, um, I know it's about a week away or more, actually, um, but how's it going to feel, you know, to have fans back in the stadium for the first time at the spring game? Well, it'll be great. Uh, we're anticipating 6,500, and so uh, not everyone will get to go. Typically, we get about 10,000 for the spring game, but uh, it's a step in the right direction, and uh, just hoping that uh, we're at full capacity in the fall. That may be a little optimistic, but that's, that's what we're hoping for. Next is Cole Bagley, followed by Jeff Call of the Deseret News. Good morning, Coach. How are you? Morning, Cole. Good. I'm just wondering, um, how would you describe uh, Brant Keithy's talent and contributions to the team? Uh, first of all, he's an extremely talented young man. He's not. Uh, he's more of a hybrid than he is a tight end. He's he doesn't have the. Uh, prototypical tight end size and we're six, two and a half, about 230 pounds. And so more of an H back, uh, actually played running back in high school. So that, that was his background when he got to the program was, was as a running back, but, uh, extremely talented, uh, catches the ball exceptionally well, runs great routes, elusive in the open field, as you've seen many times over the last couple of years. And he's a big weapon for us. And, and, uh, he hasn't been practicing much as of late. He's got a little ailment going on that, that shouldn't be uh, an issue long-term, but but uh, hasn't had a lot of work this spring. He was out early in spring uh, for practice and then uh, has been shut down for a while. So so he hasn't been uh, a part of what we're doing, but, but uh, he'll be a big part of what we're doing this fall. 
Next, we'll go to Jeff Call. Uh, Kyle, I know it's been a while, but uh, what do you remember about recruiting uh, Britton Covey? Britton Covey. Um, first of all, it was a projection. He was a quarterback in high school and a very good quarterback. And uh, we knew that that wasn't going to be his, uh, his uh, position in college, but thought he could be an outstanding receiver. And, uh, you know, I've known the Covey family for literally 45 years. You know, we've been uh, – grew up in the same neighborhood and, and uh, knew Britt's grandfather very well and, and of course, Britt's dad. And so it's been a relationship for, for many, many years. But uh, we, uh, I, we just had a belief in Britt that, that he could play uh, Division One football as a wide receiver and uh, even more certain that he could be a returner. He was such a terrific returner. And so it was a uh, uh, just a typical recruiting process, although uh, he didn't have – I didn't think he had nearly as many uh, people interested in him as he should have. I, thought, I think they discounted him because of his size, a lot of the, the schools, and, and uh, shouldn't have because he's, uh, he's a playmaker. And we're excited to have him on our team for the last the- 12 years. And to follow up with that, um, has recruiting kids from Utah County changed in the time that you've been at Utah? And if so, how? It sure has. Uh, it used to be pretty much a fence around Utah County, and you, and you couldn't get in on those guys. And now uh, we've had a lot of success with, with players from Utah County coming up here and and uh, making the transition. And, and uh, if you go back through the years, there's been uh, so many guys that have played good football for us. I think it started out with the Christensen brothers uh, way back when Kimball and Howard Christensen made the move. They were, they were guys that uh, typically would have been locks to stay in Provo and play, but, but uh, they came up here and, and uh, there's a lot of guys that have followed suit and followed in their footsteps. And, you know, I have a list in front of me, but I'm going to tell you, there's been a lot of players from, from down there that have uh, been very successful up here. Our next question will come from Josh Furlong, KSL.com, followed by Hans Olson. Yeah, Kyle, you've mentioned several times um, that you're obviously going to need to go into maybe the transfer portal or some other means to get to uh, wide receivers in the in the offseason. You know, with with spring football and being able to see what you've you've got there, you know, has has any of your your uh, decisions changed in terms of like the types of players that you're going to recruit, or is anything that way, or or is it just more adding depth to be able to make sure that you have enough to go and fall? Well, I think it's adding the best players that are that are available, and it may not be players; it may just be one. Uh, but uh, one for certain, what we need, and and two would probably be the optimal number. It could creep to three, but I, I doubt that. That would be the absolute uh, ceiling on that. But uh, we just need to find the, the most productive playmakers that we can find. And it doesn't necessarily have to be an inside guy or an outside guy, uh, just production. And uh, that's, that's the, uh, you know, what we're doing now. And, and uh, we feel like we've got uh, a good handle on it. We've got some really good prospects. And there's going to be more. Like, like we all know, after spring ball, I think there's going to be a, another influx of uh, players into the portal. But, but uh, we'll come away with uh, – a guy or two that will help us. And that's, that's, uh, you know, that's already ongoing, that, that process and that search. Following up real quick on that, how do you feel like in these, these few weeks that you've had that the players have been, how, how receptive do you think they've been to Chad Bumpus and kind of the, the message that he's able to provide while also allowing these guys to, to improve in their games? Very receptive. A lot of, a lot of positive feedback. And, and uh, you know, sometimes the change is good. And, and uh, just 
you know, a new face and a new voice. And, and I think uh, that's been the case with us. And it's nothing against uh, past receiver coaches or Coach Holiday. They've all been outstanding. But, but I think Chad has been very well received by our players, as well as Charlie Brewer. You know, that's important. That's an important thing that you, you bring a new quarterback in compete for that starting job. He's got a fit as well. And Charlie so far has been an outstanding fit. Our final question this morning for Coach Whittingham will come from Hans Olson. Well, Coach, you kind of answered my question. I was going to say I really aren't – I'm not interested in a name. Just curious if there is a quarterback that is really separating themselves through the spring through four weeks. Charlie Brewer, hands down. He's, he's – uh, been uh, everything we'd hoped to be to this point. Uh, you know, he's uh, he's a proven bet. I mean, he's uh, he's got a lot of experience under his belt at the Power Five level. He's thrown for a ton of yards and won a bunch of games, and so that's what we expected. And so far, he's been exactly what we had expected. And, and uh, as he continues to digest and assimilate the offense, he gets better and better. And it's going to be a a great battle between him and Cam this fall because they're two outstanding quarterbacks. All right, there is Kyle Whittingham live with the media. And PK, just to follow up on that last thing, because the quarterback, uh, the quarterback battle is always, you know, <laughs> it's always the headline. Uh, that makes it sound like none of these guys have put themselves in a position to battle Cam for the second spot, which it wasn't yeah. an assumption I was willing to make, but that's what it sounds like listening to. To Kyle. Well, I asked him that on Friday night after they had their scrimmage. Mm -hmm. And I asked him, I said, and go back and listen to it, I asked him, I said, well, what percentage, because he was uh, doping out the percentages that the guys have been receiving reps-wise in uh, spring ball to this point. And so then I asked him, what percentage will Cam Rising get when training camp opens, uh, is it late July, early August? Haven't seen the calendar yet. <clears throat> and he said that rising early on will get more than these other guys, and that's the Jackson kid and the, mm -hmm. what's the other, Peter Costelli, is that mm -hmm. his name? Yep. Uh, yeah. For uh, the freshman kid. And so those are those are your basic four. And so the, the point being in talking to Kyle was that Rising, now you got to assume that he's healthy to go. If he's not, that's a whole other ball game. But at the start of training camp, he'll have the opportunity to compete, which he doesn't have now because obviously he isn't healthy. He said that Cam has started to throw the ball, but he hasn't. he's not throwing it very far, but he has started to throw. He is on track to be healthy when we get to the first week of August. And at that point he'll have to make his mark. So he'll get the opportunity, uh, but I still think that Brewer will be the starter. Okay, Fred Whittingham, Utah assistant coach, is sitting down. Let's listen into him. Good morning, Freddie. Uh, just wanted to, to get a, a glimpse of, of what you're going through as far as coaching the uh, tight ends. You have three very talented tight ends with Dalton, Cole, and, uh, and Brant. Um, with with Brant being more of a hybrid, does that make it easier to get everybody the same amount of reps? Uh, good morning. Well, it's always a good problem to have to have good depth at a position. And uh, yeah, Brant is a very versatile player. So you can really put him out as a wide receiver. You can put him in the wing as a move tight end. You can put him in the backfield as a fullback. So that does give us a lot of versatility as far as formations and things that we can do. 
uh, with three tight ends in the game for sure. Yeah. Next is Josh Furlong, KSL.com. Hey, Freddie, you just mentioned, obviously, that you can move these guys in a lot of different areas and, and, and do a lot with them. Um, the tight end position group has been pretty effective the last couple of years, especially with Brandt kind of taking the charge there. Where, where do you feel like this group can progress, and, and where do you see you know, maybe um, their playmaking abilities uh, sh- being showcased this year? Uh, good morning, Josh. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, the mentality of any great player should be to always be seeking improvement. And I think all these guys uh, have that type of mentality. So there's always the opportunity to improve in your fundamentals and your technique and become better at the things that you do. Um, you know, as an offense, it's our job to put them in a position to, to be successful on the field and to make explosive plays. So I think you know, one of the things we can look at is ways to get uh, the ball pushed down the field to them in the passing game. Uh, I think I got um, – we, we have a, a number of different uh, players in the tight end group that can, that can uh, get separation in the passing game. Um, but it all starts with, with the run game. You know, if we're successful uh, in the run game with, with uh, uh, them being able to, to, to be great run blockers, it puts the – defense in a little bit of a dilemma because uh, they have to decide, are we going to load up the box and put uh, a bunch of linebackers in there? And, and if they do, we feel like we should have a mismatch with these guys to be able to push the ball downfield in the throw game for sure. Next, we'll go to Jeff Call from the Deseret News, followed by Sammy Mora from the Daily Utah Chronicle. Yeah, I was wondering in terms of recruiting, how important is Utah County and the, the talent that's there? And how big of a factor is it to have guys like uh, Britton Covey have success and kind of show what can be done? Uh, Utah is always going to be our, our first and highest priority as far as a recruiting area, whether that be Utah County, Salt Lake County, uh, Davis County, Weber County, whatever county it may be. Uh, if the players are there, we're going to put a priority on, on our in-state recruits and prospects and make sure that we feel like we are getting the best players in state. And, and there's been a long history and tradition of players from in state coming up here uh, to the University of Utah and having outstanding careers and helping us win a lot of football games, earning their degree and going on to do big things. So uh, the players, uh, wherever they are in Utah, and we just have ha- happened to have a bunch from Utah County, we'll seek them out, we'll find them, and we'll try to get the best ones up here. Next is Sammy Mora, followed by Cole Bagley, Daily Utah Chronicle. Morning, Coach. Um, talking about Dalton, he had such a prolific career at San Diego. How, and obviously with the reduced season last year, what are you looking to see from him in his first full season at Utah? Well, good morning. Yeah, uh, Dalton was was a great find for us. You know, he did have a lot of success at the University of San Diego at the FCS level. Uh, you know, the first goal last year was to get uh, a waiver approved for him to be eligible as a transfer, which we were able to do. So he got a lot of great experience. Uh, now, year two in the program, he's more comfortable with the offense. He knows the scheme. And he's got a lot of talents uh, in both the run game and, and the passing game. I think we can get Dalton involved as a, uh, as a vertical threat, uh, at, as a tight end. Um, I think we can get him involved in a number of different ways because he's, he's got the, the complete package when it comes to 
you know, uh, an every down tight end. He's, he's got good size. He's got good physicality. He runs well. Uh, he's very athletic. He's got very good hands. So again, we're, we're blessed to have a number of different uh, players at this position currently in the program that, that can play at a very high level. So it's our job as coaches to, to put them in those positions to be able to make the plays. Next is Cole Bagley. Morning, Coach. How are you? Doing great. Thank you. Good. Uh, I'm just curious, um, what are your expectations from uh, Brant Keithy this season? You know, he had a, a really good 2019 season, and, and last year it seemed he took a little bit of dip as far as um, production. What are you expecting this season? Yeah, I think, you know, sometimes the production uh, is often tied to touchdowns, and so last year he didn't have – uh, a, a touchdown, but he still averaged five catches a game. I believe he was the leading uh, tight end as far as receptions in the, the Pac-12 with the shortened season. So I would argue that he did have a productive year last year. He just didn't score a lot of touchdowns. And, you know, sometimes that's within your control. Sometimes that's not within your control. But with Brant, you know, coming back, uh, this would be his senior year if it wasn't for the, you know, the COVID carryover of an additional year of eligibility. Uh, I expect him to get a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger, a little bit faster. And uh, when he's healthy, uh, as we've seen, he's, he's, he's a handful. He's, he's hard to, uh, to scheme for because he can do so much. So I expect him to improve. His run blocking, I expect him to uh, to improve in, in every facet of his game. And that's the kind of guy he is. He always wants to get better. He always wants to do more. He's ultra competitive. He wears his heart out on his sleeve. And and and, uh, and I expect him to be a, a really big-time playmaker in this offense within the scheme of, of how we do things. And that's the key is that, you know, we've got a lot of talent on, on offense. We've got a lot of – uh, potential weapons and, and we've got to spread the ball around and, and make sure that, uh, you know, that we put them in positions to, to, to make the type of plays that we've seen them make in the past. And, and I expect uh, big things, not just, you know, uh, this season out of brand, I expect big things every single practice. Just a quick follow-up um, in regards to Cole fathering him. What, uh, how important is he to the, the tight end room? And then what are you expecting from him this year? Cole is vitally important, important to the tight end room and, and the team as a whole. He's on the leadership council, which was elected by his peers. And, and Cole's been a three-year starter here in this offense. Uh, Cole is an outstanding uh, run blocker. And, and, you know, one thing about Cole also is that, that he, he has some of the best hands you'll see for a tight end. He can really catch the ball. Um, and he's done a lot to work on his uh, speed and explosiveness in the offseason you see that show up in the practice. And again, I think uh, another guy that's an every down tight end that can make plays in both the run game and the throw game. And Cole is vital to, to the room, to the tight end room and, and to the offense and to the team overall as a leader, as an experienced guy. Um, and as a guy that, you know, will help us play some championship football. Next up, Trevor Allen, KSLSports.com. Do you feel like that there's a light at the end of the tunnel of when you guys can actually go out and be able to visit recruits and have them on campus or, or is it still a, a, a shot in the dark? Well, we're still waiting for official word from the NCAA, but all signs are pointing to uh, going into a quiet period in June, which would allow uh, prospects to come to our campus. We could host official visits in June and, uh, and have camps, uh, potentially in June. They, they may not look exactly like the camps we've had in the past. 
Uh, but but it is looking like those those signs are pointing to us being able to interact with recruits on our own campus in June, and then hopefully in in the fall uh, we'll be able to do on in person evaluations at high school games, JC games, things like that. And uh, I'm personally looking forward to it because recruiting and 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 being out there and finding prospects is one of the best parts of this job. I believe I love it, and uh, I hope that that we're able to do that very soon. But but I, I do believe that we will be able to uh, have recruits on campus in June. Okay, thank you, Coach. All right, there is Fred Whittingham, Utah assistant football coach. Uh, before that, Kyle Whittingham. Right now, <clears throat> we're about to uh, talk a little football here, but uh, right now we've got to uh, give away a golfer. It's time for the Uinta Golf Masters giveaway. Be caller 12 right now at 855-340-ZONE. Find out what player you'll get for this year's Masters tournament. If your golfer wins, you'll receive the same brand of driver that player has in their bag. Call in now, 855-340-ZONE. 855-340-ZONE. 855-340-9663. It's all brought to you by Uinta Golf, serving Utah golfers since 1971. More Utah football in just a moment. Stay with us. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Tim Lacombe, when you have that freight train running and it just seems like every night you're getting double-digit victories, you're having double-digit leads, does it just kind of feed off each other and it just keeps rolling like that sometimes? The thing that I constantly think about is how consistently good you've got to be to do what they're doing. At the end of the day, they're going to be as good as Donovan and Rudy Takeham. I think that that's fair to say because those two guys are playing at an elite level. But what comes out of this more than anything to be is just how consistently good this team's been. They really haven't had you know crazy slides, but they did out of the gate and they did after the All-Star break. But when they've been able to play as a team and get in a rhythm, you know, great things have happened. Hopefully the Jazz can hit that last seam without any kind of interruption and they can continue to play the way they're playing. Hanson Scotting, weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Brought to you in part by Zero Res. When you get the carpets and tile clean, it's never clean. It's just it's Zero Res clean. I won't have it any other way. $33 per room clean. Carpet or tile, April only. You deserve the best. You deserve Zero Res. Schedule with Zero Res today. Call them at 801-288-9376 or schedule online by searching for Zero Res Carpet Cleaning. Brent Keithy wrapping it up right now in the last segment. We heard from Kyle Whittingham. We heard from Fred Whittingham. PK, you got some takeaways from all of this you heard today? Well, I think it's obvious Jeff Cole of the Desert News is working on a story of Utah recruiting Utah County because he asked uh, Kyle and Freddie that very question, and they respond uh, somewhat uh, with a canned answer, particularly Freddie, as far as, you know, we're going to go get the best players. Well, the fact is you're not getting the best players. In Utah, not that every school is going to get all the best players, but Utah is a smaller state population-wise, but it does produce a lot of very good players. And you only need to look as far as this NFL draft and which Sewell, the kid from St. George by way of American Samoa and Zach Wilson, neither of those kids are expected to go in the top five, and you didn't get either of those kids. And and Nakua you didn't get, and he went to Washington. 
and it's a problem. But they have had way more success than they used to in Utah County, as they should. They're in the Pac-12. Every Utah County kid should be considering Utah if Utah is considering them. Dalton Kincaid, tight end, sitting down at the microphone, the transfer from the University of San Diego. Take a next step now with the program in, in spring and, and just kind of being able to you know, mesh with that, that tight end position group. Uh, I think a lot of it just has to do with time. Uh, I think chemistry is a big thing with football and just having more time with the guys, not only just the tight end group, but uh, every single position, uh, just creating better relationships with them. And then just learning the offense more, uh, not just knowing the why and the you, but uh, more positions and more concepts. The next question will come from 1280 The Zone. Dalton, I'm curious about your high school career. You played one year of high school football. Did you play other sports? Why didn't you play more football? Uh, can you kind of take us through that time and what happened? Yeah, uh, so I played freshman football. Uh, like most freshmen going into high school. And then following that year, uh, they changed the whole offensive scheme to like a wing T offense. And at the time I was just a receiver. So I decided to focus more on basketball, which was my main sport growing up. And then I ended up transferring to a different high school because my mom thought I would enjoy a smaller college experience like she had. And when I transferred there, it was a smaller school, of course, there was about 300 in the graduating class. And I mean, everyone played some sport. So uh, my buddies who were a lot of my AAU basketball friends convinced me to come out for football. And I mean, from there, it's kind of just got the ball rolling. So just a quick follow up. How did that work in recruiting then? Because you would have been off the radar. Did you pursue people Were were there people pursuing you at the lower levels? What happened? Uh, I definitely got a lot of notice from uh, like D2 schools, a lot of schools in the north, like North Dakota, South Dakota, Idaho. And um, we, the receiving coach at the time, uh, one of my best friend's dads, uh, Mr. Cody, he kind of was like a recruiting coordinator in a way. He would talk to the colleges that came and say like, this is who we have and if you're looking for anyone. So he was a huge benefit in the recruiting process and just communicating with schools and myself and helping me get to the next level. Next question will come from Cole Bagley with the Utah Daily Chronicle. I'm curious, uh, what's it been like to take reps with with Charlie Brewer, and, and if you could describe kind of the type of quarterback that he is? I mean, the more reps you get with him, the better chemistry, so any rep is a good rep. Uh, but he's just – he's very confident in what he does. Uh, he kind of just has this switch that when he's in the huddle, he's just locked in. And, uh, I mean, he throws a, a gorgeous ball. It seems to always hit you in the right spot. And he's kind of just taking more of a leadership role, I feel like, uh, when he's in the huddle. Next question will come from Josh Frillo. Yeah, you mentioned it's, it, you know, you kind of need to get acclimated to, to your teammates and kind of get to know them a little bit better. But what, what do you feel like you've learned specifically from Brant and Cole and, and maybe some other guys in there that have – you know, some veteran experience with this program and, and where do you think they can help you take your game to the next level? Uh, Cole and Brant have been a huge help. I mean, with learning the playbook and just like tips and tricks on the field. Uh, I mean, at this level, the guys are bigger, faster, stronger, and your technique's going to be involved a lot more. So, I mean, Cole has great technique in the run game in the past game as well. 
Grant has great technique in the run game as well and pass game. So I think both of them are just a huge help and just learning from them and uh, even other guys in the position group. Just, I mean, we kind of just all like benefit each other in some way with tips and tricks and it's all more like constructive criticism. All right, that was your final question. All right, there's Dalton Kincaid, tight end. I got a question for you. Yeah. Why is it always just a quick follow-up on the Zoom calls? It's never, I got a long-winded follow-up here, so sit back, relax. It's going to take a bit. It's always (laughs) a quick follow on Zoom. I've noticed that. If you want to get in that second question, it's got to be just a quick follow. And then, boom, you answer the question. Because the, I think it's because the moderator can mute you. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> and some do and some don't. And until you've done a bunch with the same moderator, not the same team, but like the same person with the trigger finger, you really don't know how it's going to go. Just a quick follow. Yeah. Uh, just a long run-on question <laughs> along hey. the lines of San Bernardino, please, if I may. <laughs> I'm trying to make a T-shirt here. Work with me. It's one of the things I've noticed in the last year of Zoom. Just a quick follow. <laughs> yeah. You can get back in, though, if you want in the rotation. Sometimes. Not always. Depends on, uh, again. Uh, well, with the Utes, you can. Uh, with the Utes, your odds are better. Yeah, I would agree with that. Your, your odds are better. So, uh, I think, and, and your odds are better now. It'll be interesting to see if that's true. You know, in the fall, and it'll be different in weekdays versus after a game, especially did they win or lose after a game. But you're right, in spring ball, this is probably as relaxed yeah, as it gets I, I on Zoom. I think Utah's been doing that. I mean, they've been doing Zoom. They did it. Uh, you could do it. Uh, Utah's been very good about uh, if you have a second question, to just put your just raise your hand back in there if, if you want to. Uh, as far as I can tell, anyway. I mean, I haven't been on every media Zoom call of every – college or pro team that we've had and uh, I just wonder if that's the way we're going to go going forward if I were the universities I'd try to keep it because man you really can control the length as you say yep all right so the little bit we do get to learn from zooms it's not the same thing and you don't get the side conversations but uh, just to follow up on you know the goal is to get everyone in Utah and clearly well first off you can't uh, but number two, you do want to get the best impact players. And uh, I have seen mock drafts where Penny Sewell is no longer top five, but he's still top ten. So to the point, you want all the first-round draft picks, right? And he's going to go in the first third of the first round, and they're not getting those guys. Uh, it was great to listen to Kyle um, talk about how they lost uh, – You know, there was a fence around there, and it, anything he could do to not utter the, word, the letters BYU – He's working with a 23-letter vocabulary there and, and doing quite a good job of it. He's just not going to say those letters out loud in that order. Okay. They would have typically <laughs> stayed in Provo and play. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, anything to avoid those three. Uh, yeah, I'm over that. I know it's a big deal for him and for fans and all that stuff. I, I really don't care about that. But, yeah, he doesn't mention BYU. He doesn't go the down south like Urban did. And Urban was just manufactured as he's used that other places. And it's and it's college, and the fans eat that up. But they eat up most is that you've beaten them nine times in a row. There you go. I mean, now you're you, talking results. You, yeah, you can say whatever you want when you've beaten the team nine times in a row. And if you should beat them this year, 
then the earliest you're going to be able to beat them is what, uh, 2024 from the BYU perspective? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that's, just, that's just amazing that it would be that long because they're not scheduled to play them the next two years. But the thing about the talent in Utah, the top-end talent, what has become abundantly clear, not all, but a lot, top-end talent equals NFL talent. And not always, but a lot of times NFL talent is difference-making talent at the collegiate level. Uh, So they've got to find a way to get those top-end guys. They're doing very good on getting most of the NFL, most of the talent in college and and then also, too, they can get other guys and then developing them into NFL talent, which is why they've had uh, you know, pretty good success here. I think we'd all have to agree. Haven't had the ultimate success, but they've had pretty good success. But it's a challenge to get the best, the very best. And they blew it on Zach Wilson. There's no other way to say it. They absolutely blew it. And, they, and BYU practically blew it, too. It came close. Came <laughs> yeah, close. Yeah. Dodged a bullet there. Can you yeah. imagine how much it would have sucked if he were a Utah kid at Boise State beating schools from this state, crushing them, probably would have had a chip on his shoulder, right? We know they're pretty familiar with that. And then going to the NFL, oh, man, uh-huh. that, that would have sucked. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then Boise plays both schools of Utah State and BYU. They don't play Utah, but they play the other two schools there. So you had that thing going on there. So, yeah, I understand what you're saying. And they were fortunate enough to be able to uh, get him with that change in coaching that, that they made in the nick of time that was able to get him right at the end there. And, and good for them. But And that, and that, was, a, that was an oversight, uh, certainly. And it was a, it was a strategic decision – about uh, Utah made in going after uh, yeah they went all in on another quarterback yeah yeah, yeah. and I'm I'm writing about that Yako posted at uh, on our website 1280 the zone this morning and it'll also be posted at KSL uh, this morning too and uh, he Zach Wilson's going number two man the Jets didn't make that trade uh, to take a lineman uh, I think it's clear <laughs> uh, you know they opened up the space to take a quarterback obviously. So uh, that's where they're going with that. Uh, but the, the Utah has got to find a way. And it's tough, man. These schools come in with all this stuff, all the glitter and the shiny helmets that Oregon can offer and blah, blah, blah. They missed twice. Uh, you know, both schools, though, there's more than two schools because they've got one. But they missed on his uh, – what's his, what's his other brother's name? Noah? Yeah, Noah's up there at Oregon yeah. right now. And, and he started as a freshman too, did he not? Pac-12 uh, defensive and, player, yeah. defensive freshman player of the year. Yeah, and last year was a funky season, but still, uh, he was in the in the lineup. So those are those are blows, I think. And I would love to see either, well, any of the three schools that play Division One football in our state. You know, and it doesn't doesn't do us any good to have these kids go out of state, but they they make their decisions. Uh, you know, and Fajoko, you know, he goes to Stanford and he's going to enter the draft early. And he came on strong at the end of last season as a receiver. And we all know that Utah needs receivers, right? And they're pretty good at running backs and they're pretty good at tight ends. And that, that's been a great thing to see, to see their, their development of tight ends because there were so many years there. It's like, is the tight end even on the field or is he just another offensive lineman? And now they've moved past that. And I, th- I think that's important, too, 
find those players to see ways in which you can open up. I mean, they lost the tight end at a Bingham, Dalton Schultz. Would he, he went to Stanford, too, if I remember correctly. He did. Didn't he? Yeah. He Correct. did. And then he's been with the Cowboys now for a number of years. So, and it's funny because we sort of hold the schools accountable if you miss on a local guy who blossoms and plays in the NFL. I'm not necessarily sure that's fair, but it's also the reality of what we do. Well, we do, but I think you, I think you need to take a deeper dive because, well, first off, you either have him or you don't. So that is a pretty simple, you know, you didn't have Dalton Schultz. You didn't have Simi Fajoko. You didn't have Penny Sewell. You didn't have Zach Wilson. But then you have to go to the reasons why. You know, did you just judge them wrong? Did you put the you know, put your faith in the wrong kid, or could you not get him? You went all in. You prioritized the kid, and you couldn't land him. That seems to be different problems and different issues that need to be solved. Now, they, at the end of the day, you either have them or you don't. But once you decide that, then the deeper dive. Why? Because why they didn't get Zach Wilson is different than why they didn't get Penny Sewell. Those Correct. are different problems and different issues that that you need to solve. But I think that's rare. The uh, and there's the Zach story is what is rare. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, exactly. The Penny the, Sewell story I think is more common. They've is. identified him and they prioritized him, but they can't land him. Well, yeah, you're absolutely right. And as far as identifying talent. I don't know that there's any coach I trust more in the country than Kyle Whittingham. Okay. And identifying A, immediate talent, and then the real skill is identifying talent two, three years down the road, likely at another position. Yes. But the two most positions, you say that's true. O-line, D-line, and in the secondary, in whatever order you want, absolutely. Coming on here the last few years, much better with tight end and linebacker. But oh, and running back. I should have I should have hit running back earlier. But the two positions where people still do have doubt: quarterback and receiver. And can transfers bridge that gap? Whatever the reluctance is, uh, a you don't throw the ball enough. Um, B, you don't really know how to develop guys and send them to the NFL. Now, are we going to see those position groups? Um, change over time the way we've seen linebacker change over time there was a time where they weren't good at linebacker then there was a time where they were pretty good but they didn't have real depth and now it feels like linebacker is pretty solid I don't think people really talk about it or worry about it so are these other position groups going to transfer because it's the throw game that has separated Utah from conference championships it's not something else it's not anything else it's the throw game yeah I think it's and it's not just the throw it's downfield throw take chances mm-hmm. i mean kyle would just as soon have a root canal without any medication than have an interception <laughs> uh, you know what i mean it just right. that's not that's not who he is it's not what he wants we know that uh, he feels like he, he always runs right to the turnover thing a thousand times over as far as uh, the statistic that matters to him most beyond the final score so uh, you got to be careful as far as you know changing your philosophy because what do you want there? You know, you, Mike Leach gets a lot of run because he's clever and he's funny, blah mm-hmm. blah. But you know, he he doesn't really seem to win to the level of the reputation of the cleverness. So, do you throw the ball efficiently? Because although the total stats, the yardage thrown for those Washington State teams and before that Texas Tech was off the charts. It wasn't always efficient. And 
that's the thing to bring it back to the local guys is that Zach Wilson threw for big stats and he threw it efficiently. And you fans are going to scream about the schedule was soft, and it was, and it was. But if you look past the schedule and look deeper, there are plenty of NFL teams who would draft Zach Wilson if they had the chance with their first-round well, draft pick. the best throw he made was it wasn't <laughs> soft defense. There was no, no defense. No defense. The throw. <laughs> the <Against> throw. <laughs> What was that? Sixty yards? That uh, some that thing? some such. Oh, yeah. and yesterday I'm watching that stuff uh, on the trade. I mean, they were showing that because obviously the trade of Darnold, it's clear with the intent of Zach to draft Zach Wilson. Todd McShay said, "Put it in pen. It's done." You know, and so that was a big thing that they were discussing yesterday on the, and they're still discussing it this morning as I'm looking around here, uh, to an extent, and they're still talking about it. Well. They throw that throw over and over again. That was a strategic decision and that they made, and it blew up in her face. Yeah. Uh, and I'm wondering, does he make that again? Because you look at uh, the transfer thing now. He's bringing in transfer quarterbacks left and right. Mm-hmm. And so those other guys got to know, okay, we're bringing in this guy, this guy, or there's a possibility. So clearly they're making no promises. And that's the right way to go. Uh, and there's some line of thinking that if you're drafting a quarterback who's de- – or, uh, excuse me, if you're uh, recruiting successfully or a quarterback who's demanding that you not take anybody else, do you really want that guy? Because is that guy screaming, I'm afraid of competition? And so do you not really want that? Well, I think they learned a lesson in the Tuttle situation, so it'll be interesting to see – what level they do that because or or do you just get around it and if say like i don't know that they made any promises to this this uh, costelli kid uh but assuming and i don't think they did but assuming that they did yeah we're not going to sign another quarterback uh in this recruiting class well then you go get three grad transfers say well we didn't sign her a kid in this recruiting class (laughs) yeah we kept our (laughs) you kept well you kept your word but also as much as you're laughing because you get the whole manipulative angle to it i think it does play different with the with the player because if you're costelli or even if you're jackson you're looking at brewer and you're like well it's one year you know and, and I am going to need a year to learn the system. I do have to add weight and get bigger. Well, maybe not Jackson. He's pretty big. Um, but for Costelli, I don't think you look at the same way as they bring in another guy, yeah, and he's the coach's favorite, and I never get a fair chance to compete because that's what the kid is thinking. The kid's that's thinking, just a grad transfer, I'm, though. What the kids aren't considering is they're going to bring in four straight grad transfers, and you may never get your well, but, chance I mean, because this isn't going to be the only transfer he brings in. But I don't think this one transfer bugs him. The second or third one might, you know, because it might. Cam Rising isn't shot. a grad transfer. No, he's not. You're right, and and neither is Jackson. You know, Brewer's a different deal because he's coming in and it's going to be one year. Most likely, yes, we 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 understand that. So I don't think that if you're a freshman. Uh, you're going to be too upset, right? Because so uh, the coaches no, can keep up their keep their word, yeah, and they get what they need, and they don't tick off the kid the same way another freshman does. Uh, sure, but but in, that leaves the, out the thing the that there could be Brewer. Okay, four, fine, but there could be three or four Brewers in a row, so yeah. you're still going to have to compete. You know, he's going to yeah, keep and, and Costelli transfers. commits knowing they got Cam Rising in the program, right? And, and, and I don't know that well, I want that, a kid who's but, running from competition in the first place. Yeah, you, you've got to know 
that they're going to bring in a everybody's bringing in a quarterback every year. You can't avoid yeah. that competition. It's when they start bringing in two every year, and you're like, how many reps do I even get in spring ball to prove yeah, to you what well. I can do? Am I really going to get a chance to compete? Or are you going to play? That's what the new yeah. quarterback, the, the latest stud at Corner Canyon, did. Mm-hmm. He's going to SC. And he's already down there, and they've got other guys, yep. freshmen. But at the same time, too, with this uh, rule of the, you know allowing the one-time transfer, you're not locked in either. This is a marriage of convenience. Now, when you're recruiting a quarterback, there's no long-term commitment. You don't even know if there's a short-term commitment when the kid signs the way things are. Well, with, right? Tuttle, with Tuttle, that was. I mean, he was gone before Halloween. <laughs> He's like, yeah, there should what? be. A, you have to stay through the team Halloween party. I was going to say through the semester, but you know, no, no, Halloween not party, no, semester. You're no. really speaking Isla Vista, UC Santa Barbara language, you're, so really, I'm too, more comfortable than you're you. You're know. too old school if you're yeah. staying through the semester. John Walsh didn't even say through the semester at Carson. They That's won the city school. championship on a Saturday. He was back at West Torrance on the Monday. Thirty-year-old <laughs> BYU fan. Who's John Walsh? I've read that name somewhere. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Time to give away another golfer in our UNA Golf Masters giveaway. Be caller 12 right now at 855-340-ZONE. Find out what player you'll get for this year's Masters tournament. Give us a hint, Yak. Who's it going to be? He is an Englishman who's been playing very well of late. Nick Faldo? No. Uh, what's the guy with the uh, the funny, he always wears the... Polka dot pants. Ian Poulter? No, it's not Ian Poulter. Uh, Ian Poulter's way off the radar right now. I know. Well, I want way off he the radar. He plays ping irons and a driver, if that helps at all. Uh, let's see. And he's uh, fiance. Is this caddy? That I don't know. I'm bad at this game and golfer's nationality. <laughs> That's, I'm just not good at the nationality game. You want me to give it to you? Yes. Lee Westwood. All Lee right. Westwood, yes. Helen Shaver. That's uh, his. Oh, you are correct. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. Well, I mean, they put the thing every time they put the yeah, score. Yeah, I know. I, I realize it now. They have their flags right there. If your golfer wins, you receive the same brand of driver that player has in their bag. Call in now at 855-340-ZONE, 855-340-9663. It's all brought to you by UNA Golf, serving Utah golfers since 1971. Utah Jazz beaten in Dallas, best team they played in the last 10 games, and their only loss in the last 10 games. How much does that bother you? Or are you listening to Donovan Mitchell thinking, that's right, tell him, Donovan. We'll get to that next. Stay with us. The Big Show Big Show with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Chris Mannix, Sports Illustrated. So, Chris, in the Western Conference, would you bet the Lakers or would you bet the field? Assuming health, I'd still bet on the Lakers. I don't care if they're the number 10 seed and have to play in that play-in tournament to get in. I'd still bet on them. As long as you get two or three weeks of LeBron and Anthony Davis back in the mix, it's hard to bet against the Lakers. I'm not sold on the Clippers. There's still a team that has to show me mental toughness before I pick them to win anything. But the Lakers, to me, would still be the most formidable team out there, regardless of where they finish. It would almost be a shame for the Jazz if they finish the top seed to staring down a healthy Lakers team in the first round of playoffs. That would just probably be everybody's worst nightmare in Utah. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented
presented by Big O Tires, the team you trust. On 97.5, 1280, The Zone, in the Zone Sports Network. This segment is brought to you by SNS Roofing. Their huge winter and spring sales event is going on now where you can save thousands on a new roof. Call Pound 250 and say SNS Roofing for your free bid. Well, the Utah Jazz got beat in Dallas. Their nine-game win streak is over. They've had two nine-game win streaks, and they've had an 11-game win streak. It has been remarkable, PK. The longest win streaks in the league. People, I, I have not come back to dig up everybody's longest win streaks, but I've seen a lot of people tweeting about these are the longest win streaks. Other people have had seven and eight games. And uh, I don't know what you get for that, but I guess you'd rather have it than not have it because you get a it, good record. It usually adds up to more wins than a good record, right? <laughs> But I think the red flag that it puts up with fans is, yeah, they won nine in a row, but this is also the best team they played in the 10-game span, and they lost it. Are they better at beating the bad and mediocre teams? And that's why they have – because that's not what's going to get you through the playoffs. Obviously, you're going to play the best teams in the postseason. You're going to be able to handle them. I think the storyline right now, the Jazz shot the three-pointer horrifically. And Dallas shot it pretty well, and so Dallas won the game. Now, after the game, Donovan Mitchell came out and said, we did a lot of things right. We only lost by eight, and then he went through some of the three-point numbers that were, you know, that were horrible. Oh, they sucked, uh, yeah. he was, And it started with him, and he acknowledged that. He was 0 for 8 from 3, and so was Royce O'Neal, and Clarkson was 2 for 9, and the Jazz as a team finished at 27%, but they had some garbage times threes, the fourth quarter threes that went up when they were just trading threes with Dallas, and, and they were down by 15 points, and so... That, that w- those threes weren't a big deal. The first three quarters, when it was still competitive and the Jazz very much had a chance to win, they were shooting 17 18% from three. And they finished, I think, at 27%, which is still low, but much better than they were doing when the game was competitive. So you can write that to a one-off, but it's the NBA. This storyline's going to get trumped by what happens in Phoenix tomorrow. But right now, how concerned are you? Well, I think that, uh, you know, people that you come in contact with and you see them and you listen to them a lot, they have an impact on your life. And from the sports perspective, basketball, there's a couple of guys that had a major impact on my life, Majerus and Jerry Sloan. You know, you listen to them talk a lot. And Jerry Sloan would speak in this situation following tough losses uh, as far as, you know, well, what do you do now? How do you bounce back? Because you're right, it's the NBA. The games are going to keep coming at you pretty much uh, every other day. And so you look at this, it's kind of a fun thing to do. I was thinking about this last night and thinking about what I'm going to be talking about this morning, as I always do, and looking at uh, this season. So they lose right right off the bat. You know, they start off 2-2. Two and two. You think, all right, well, you know, it's, we're still way early. But they lost two home games to Minnesota and Phoenix, mm-hmm. right? And we didn't know Phoenix was going to be uh, as good as they were or as good as they are. So I'll give you that. But Minnesota, you know. It's a bad they, loss. Yeah. But then they come back. So then they get the Clippers and full-strength Clippers, and they beat them, right? And so then the next week, they go to New York, and we know what happened. They lose both games. They get worked by the Nets, blow a big lead in New York, and you start thinking, man, they're only 4-4 four and four here. Man, this is not very good. And what do they do? 
They turn around and beat Milwaukee, and that's they started their uh, win streak that you speak of, right? And that Milwaukee game, although I think Milwaukee, I've always contended since last season that they are a little bit overrated. They're still a very good team. I'm not saying that by any stretch. And so they go and they beat Milwaukee. They also had a nice win against Denver during that streak, right? And so then really we don't uh, look at it until – the situation with uh, well, the 1st of March, they sort of sucked, right? Uh, and it's hard to say that they had a nice win after, what did they lose, four out of six? Although the Boston win in Boston, I think, was a good win. Now, they followed it up with a crappy game against Washington. Mm-hmm. So they really didn't have, a in this last win streak, just a killer win over a killer team. I get that. So, but I've named a couple of other times, three times if you give me Boston, but Boston has been a huge disappointment this season, so I can't fully give you Boston. And now here we are again, right? They lose Dallas. Dallas is a good team right now, even though Porzingis is not there, but they're just going to have to learn to play without him because he just seems like he's out all the time one of these guys, and we know he had a devastating injury. I think he missed a whole season, right? So that's just the way it is with him, and they're learning to play without him because he's you can't count on him. Now they've got these two ball games here coming up in these next two nights, tomorrow and Thursday. And I'm real interested because when I left them, not left them for dead, that's too dramatic, but after those two losses in New York, I didn't expect them to go to Milwaukee because they had no momentum, no momentum. They hadn't established themselves, but they won that game, and they went on a winning streak at that point. So before I want to jump off and say, oh, these guys are so overrated, they're like Gonzaga. They're just way overrated. They were phonies, and it showed up. I got to say, not that I'm going to say it if they lose these next two games, but I'm really interested because we're looking for storylines to this team, right? And it's funny. As I said, uh, I think I said it yesterday, have we had a team, two teams that are first and second in the conference at the 50-game mark that pretty much nobody believes in them? <laughs> and, and yet that's what we have with the uh, Jazz and the Suns. And so now you go to Phoenix tomorrow, and they're hyping that game up, man. That's a big game for them because they're trying to prove themselves even to more of an extent. And then Portland, in any given game, Portland is extremely dangerous. That's just the way it is. We already know that. They've got an elite-level score. And they've got some other good players. They're not a one-man team by any stretch, but they do have an elite-level score. So I am big-time curious on these next two games. It's almost like the loss has increased my curiosity in these next two games as opposed to if they beat Dallas. I'm with you on that. I think the thing to underline here is that in the playoffs, they call it the gentleman's sweep. You know, if you win four out of five in a playoff series, you're playing really well. You maybe game maybe if you're up two one game four feels like a big game right, but if you win a series four to one you've pretty well dominated. There aren't that many four zero sweeps, and usually when there are, there's some kind of extenuating circumstance. It's a one versus an eight, or one team has an injury. So you can even explain away some of the, the some of the few four zero sweeps that happen have easy explanations. If you're four one, you're great. So you can have a bad game against a good team as long as you bounce back. But if you don't know how to turn things around when they're going wrong, if you don't know how to turn them around pretty quickly inside a series, even inside a game, 
I mean, they're probably not going to beat the Suns buzzer to buzzer, right? Something There's probably going to be a stretch where the Suns have the upper hand. Even if the Jazz play well and win the game, there's going to be a stretch where the Suns have the upper hand. How do you turn things around when they're going poorly? If you've mastered that, then the occasional loss is no big deal. But if you lose two or three in a row in a playoff series, you're in trouble. you got to be able to turn it around when something goes wrong. And so now they got to turn it around. And if, if they, they don't, the I'm Suns, in full panic mode. <laughs> I don't doubt that. It would be good radio, so I expect you would be. All right, DJ and PK coming up. Masters Preview, Bob Casper, Real Golf Radio, joins us next. Stay with us.